Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. I'm glad you've joined us today and uh, hopefully you're ready to study the Bible a little bit with us. Uh, we're going to try to give you some answers to some of the questions that you've called in or uh, given us on the website over the past few weeks and see if we can get caught up a little bit today. But uh, that's what we're here for is to answer Bible questions, help you know your Bible a little bit better. There'll be a phone number and a website at the bottom of the screen all through the program. You can use those anytime. Uh, get in touch with us and tell us what you want to talk about. Uh, we're a little different than most religious TV programs. We don't tell you what we think you need to know. We let you ask what you want to know. And by finding answers in the Bible, hopefully we all know our Bible a little bit better. So we're going to get to some of your questions here pretty quick as soon as I introduce my partner, Toby Levering. Hi, Toby. Hi, Steve. I'm glad you're back and ready to go here. And always got lots of good questions, but we always start with one for our viewers. Just uh, give them a little Bible test. This one's about an angel. Uh, what was the name of the angel that made the announcement to Mary? Told Mary that she was going to have a, a child of the Holy Spirit. So give us that uh, angel's name. We'll give you the answer at the end of the program. See if, see if you knew that. Uh, looks like I drew the first one today. So let's talk about Judas a bit. Was Judas forgiven for betraying Jesus? We have no indication uh, that he was. The Bible doesn't say anything about it. Uh, in fact, it says a couple of things that indicate he certainly probably wasn't forgiven for betraying Jesus. Matthew 26, 24, Jesus himself uh, said about Jesus, it would have been better if he would have never been born. Uh, pretty harsh judgment on Judas. And then let's look at one together on the screen. John chapter 17 and verse 12 uh, says this. Uh, Jesus was talking uh, and said, while I was with them, he's praying to God, said, while I was with the apostles, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. As we speak of Judas there as one who was doomed to destruction. So we don't understand all the whys and wherefores of it, but there's certainly no indication that Judas was forgiven. Uh, there's no indication that Judas was repentant. Uh, he was sorry uh, about what he had done, uh, but it doesn't say anything about the godly sorrow or him repenting or asking for forgiveness. Uh, as far as we know, he wasn't repentant, and uh, he took his own life uh, because of the guilt he felt. But uh, no, no indication he was forgiven. Okay, have you asked the question, what is unleavened bread? Well, my answer to that is bread without leaven. Uh, being a little silly there, but uh, actually that's true. Uh, unleavened bread uh, is just bread made without yeast. And you make bread, 
add yeast so that it rises. And uh, in the history of the Jewish people, uh, as they were leaving Egypt, they left in such haste, they didn't have time to, um, for the bread to rise. And, and as they partook of a feast called the Passover, which was a memorial feast that they were to partake to remind them of how the Lord had delivered them from Egypt. And uh, it was a teaching opportunity, but they were to partake of the Passover uh, without yeast to remind them uh, that with the speed and haste in which they left. Uh, it was a reminder for the Jewish people of what God had done, why He had done it, and how He had worked. And of course, Jesus being a, a Jewish and uh, His apostles being Jewish, when He uh, was in this world, He partook of the Passover, uh, probably uh, three times, at best as we can tell from the Gospel accounts. And on the last one, He used the Passover feast, which uh, happened before He died, and it, He used that particular Passover feast and transformed it into a new type of feast. Um, this won't be on the screen, but in Luke, it's found in Luke chapter 22. And he says to his apostles in verse 15, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Now, uh, we know that that was part of the early church in Acts chapter 2. It says they broke bread together. And that was something that was part of the church. And if you uh, go to a church of Christ, you'll see that they partake of what we call the Lord's Supper or communion, or they partake of the bread and the fruit of the vine. And they do it, although it's not the Passover, it's, it's a memorial feast. It's done in remembrance of Jesus. The bread representing His body, the fruit of the vine representing His blood doesn't turn into anything, doesn't um, um, become anything. It just reminds us of what Jesus did, and we do that uh, every week. Now, I'll look, give you a verse from Deuteronomy 16, and this is the Lord describing the Passover feast. You shall eat no leavened bread with, pass, uh, with it, referring to Passover. Seven days you shall eat with unleavened bread, the bread of affliction. For you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, that all the days of your life you remember the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. Unleavened bread, bread without leaven, and done to remind us of Jesus. All righty, very good. <clears throat> Uh, interesting personal question here. A viewer says, a church told me I didn't know my Bible well enough to be baptized. Can you become a Christian as you are? Well, actually, as you are is the only way you can become a Christian. Uh, that's why we sing that song, just as I am without one plea. Uh, yeah, you can become a Christian as you are. Now, only got one side of this here. Uh, the viewer says a church told her this. Um, so let's think through it. First of all, you don't have to know much to become a Christian. Uh, there's examples in the Bible of people who didn't know much uh, at all. In fact, one famous story is one of the fellow from Ethiopia, and he was a Jew. He knew the old scriptures. And he was reading the old scriptures one time, and it talked about the Messiah that was coming. And Philip was sent to visit with him, and Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, no, I don't. He said, somebody's got to explain it to me. So Philip explained that the Messiah was Jesus, 
and he taught him about Jesus, is what the scripture says. And they were riding in a chariot, and we don't know how long they studied together, but it couldn't have been too long. Uh, it sounds like just a few minutes, maybe a half hour or something. Uh, but at the end of him hearing about Jesus and understanding what Jesus had done and understanding what Jesus had commanded, look what he said in Acts chapter 8 as they rode along in the chariot in verse 36. The, the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the official answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Uh, so that seems to be, uh, that's the only question we're given in the Bible about what you need to know to be baptized is to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And that fellow from Ethiopia was baptized and became a Christian. Now, you don't have to know much, but let me add this. If somebody told you you didn't know enough to be baptized, you do have to understand the basics. You have to understand what's happening. Uh, somebody that doesn't understand it, that's too young or uh, so immature that they don't really know what they're doing, uh, shouldn't be baptized probably. Uh, so maybe that's the situation here. You do need to understand what's going on. It's not a matter of passing a Bible test. Uh, it's not a matter of being able to answer all the trivia questions on Know Your Bible. It's not about how many Bible facts you know. Uh, it's about do you understand what's happening, that you are uh, accountable for your sins and that Jesus died for them. And by accepting him and being baptized in his name, uh, you come in contact with the blood and that forgives your sins and you become a follower of Christ and that means a change in your lifestyle. Uh, all of that you have to understand. So I'd say listen to a church or preacher or whoever's telling you this. Listen to their advice. Check the Bible. Make sure they're giving you Bible answers. Uh, but there's a possibility you need to understand a few more things. But you don't need to know much to become a Christian. All right, let me take just a moment and offer you a good way to study the Bible. Now, we've got some free materials that we send to folks every week. And, uh, all through the week, people request them. And over the years, thousands of folks have taken us up on this and learned a whole lot about their Bible. Uh, they start with this first series of lessons that you see on the screen. There's eight different lessons in it. Good way to learn the Bible, good way to get familiar with it. Uh, it's just a good overview. It's not a, a detailed, uh, it's not a denominational creed or anything like that. It's just a Bible study. A uh, very simple way it starts right there. You see the first two lessons, the Old Testament, the New Testament. Uh, you got to know the difference between those before you can understand the Bible. So that's where this lesson starts. Good way to learn the Bible. A uh, good way to form a habit of Bible study. So use that phone number or website you see on the screen. Uh, tell us you'd like that free course. And we'll get lesson one to you right away and you can start learning your Bible a little bit better. All right, Toby. Okay. Uh, a viewer asked the question, some of my friends drink. Is it wrong for me to have them over for games and try to have a good influence on them and still be a good Christian? Well, um, it's hard to judge from the situation you described. Um, if you're trying to have good influence on them and you're doing that 
without alcohol, I think that's a fine thing to do. Uh, you say invite them over. Um, when I imagine that, I'm, if, I assume you're imagine, inviting them to an environment that you're in charge of, your apartment or your home. And if that's the case, uh, you know, it's your house, it's your rules. <laughs> you can put out uh, non-alcoholic drinks and just simply not give them the option. I think that's fine. I think that's a um, even a good and helpful thing to do. But if you're asking, well, can I invite them into my house and, you know, maybe uh, let them have a beer or uh, something like that and, and because I know they drink and all that, well, I'm not sure there. You know, Jesus referred to... Christians as people who should be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And that means we're called to be different. In fact, he goes on to say uh, that if, we, if the salt loses its saltiness, what is it good for except to be trampled by men? Uh, I understand the temptations and certainly the social pressure involved with things like that. But when you choose to follow Christ, uh, one of the things that you um, follow, uh, do when, as a follower of His is to be different, to be willing to stand out, to dare to deviate from the, the world's standards, and not to just sink to the lowest common denominator. So let me encourage you to try to uh, lift your friends up to a higher standard. And I will say I do think it's easier for evil to pull good down than it is for good to pull evil up. So use discernment. And if you find them, them pulling you down more than you pulling them up, maybe it's time to seek a new a group of friends. I think that would be uh, something that would be should be considered if they're if you're not having any influence on them. First um, Corinthians fifteen thirty three, Paul says, "Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character." And uh, I don't know your friends, and I don't know you, uh, but I do know it's. I've seen many people fall by allowing evil, uh, worldly people to pull them down. So you find to try to influence them, um, but be careful and consider also your example as a Christian. Um, Paul said to the church at Corinth, he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 23, he said, I have the right to do any, anything, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. So uh, consider, uh, is this really being helpful to your friends by acquiescing? Uh, and is it being helpful to you? Uh, you may have the right, but consider what's beneficial and constructive. Let's finish by reading 1 Thessalonians 5.5, 5, which will be on your screen. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. We have to remember who we are and how we're to behave. I hope that helps. All right, wondering about some scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees. Who were they? Uh, these three groups are mentioned in the four Gospels quite a bit. Scribes, Pharisees, and Sadducees. So let's uh, give you a real brief definition. It's an interesting study. Understanding them helps you understand uh, the Gospel accounts because Jesus interacted with these people clashed with these people a few times and gave them a hard time and they gave him a hard time. <laughs> Scribes were the educated class. Uh, they were the ones that studied and transcribed the Bible. Uh, they wrote commentaries. They knew the law. They knew the Old Testament very well. So they were the scribes. They wrote things. They knew the law. Uh, they were kind of the experts on the law. 
the Pharisees and Sadducees were a little bit more like political parties almost. Uh, the Pharisees were the most religious uh, of the two. Uh, they were kind of middle class folks that uh, uh, dedicated to the law, uh, the oral traditions of the law in addition to the law. Uh, they knew all sorts of rules and regulations beyond just what Jesus had said. Uh, they were very conservative. They were very legalistic. So they protected uh, Judaism, basically. Uh, then the Sadducees were a lot more political. They were wealthy. Uh, they cooperated with Rome a lot more. Uh, they were not as religious as the Pharisees. Uh, they didn't believe in a resurrection. They didn't believe in angels. They had a few different odd beliefs. So they were quite different from the Pharisees. Now the interesting thing is when you read the Gospels, when Jesus started out, it was the scribes and the Pharisees that were mainly picking on him because he was threatening uh, the religious order of the day. Uh, they didn't see him following the old customs and the old law uh, all the time in his teachings. Uh, so he upset them first, but then later the Sadducees got involved because it was a political matter. They saw he was going to upset their relationship with Rome and all that. So the scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees all kind of banded together and started picking on Jesus uh, as one group uh, and ended up getting him crucified. So that's who they were. Three different groups had different motives and goals, but uh, they did unite for one thing, to get rid of Jesus because he upset uh, the traditional order of things, and he was crucified because of it. Okay. Uh, a viewer asked the question, what exactly does obedience mean, and how do I be obedient? I really want to be truly obedient to God. Obedience simply means to do uh, what you're commanded to do. Now that can take place in a parent-child relationship. A uh, parent says to do something, go clean your room. A child may know that he needs to do that, but until he or she does it, they're not being obedient. Uh, maybe happen on the on the job. Your boss, supervisor, foreman may ask you to do something. You may not want to do it, but if you want to keep your job, you need to be obedient and do what they say to do. Well, in our relationship with Jesus, very much the same. Uh, he has commanded us to do certain things. It's not just enough to know Jesus, uh, to, to know the commands, uh, to believe in Jesus that he existed. But if you want to follow Jesus, you've got to do what he says. And I, that, in the simple, simplest form, uh, to become a Christian, Jesus said you need to believe and be baptized. And when you do those things, you're doing what he said to do. Some people want to argue about baptism. Well, uh, you're arguing with Jesus. Uh, true obedience is not just knowing what he said uh, and letting someone else explain it away, but doing what he said to do. And if you want to remain in Christ and to grow as a Christian, uh, you certainly need to continue doing what he said to do, doing what is commanded in the teachings of the New Testament. So if you um, want to become a Christian, start out by uh, reading maybe the book of Matthew and just paying attention to what Jesus said to do. And uh, it's simple, not always easy, but 
the commands are pretty clear. And then as you grow in your relationship with Christ, continue reading the rest of the New Testament. Um, you can cover the New Testament by reading, oh, just a little over eight chapters a day. Uh, maybe take four in the morning, four in the evening, and just co underline those commands and say, okay, I, I need to be doing those things. And uh, you'll be blessed if you do them. Obedience, I think, is a learned process and something we learn to do in our relationship with the Lord. We get better and better as we go. Uh, let's look at John 14:15, which says, very simply, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commands. And I think that's a really good definition of obedience. Do what he said to do. All right. Let me invite you folks to visit a Church of Christ near you sometime. Uh, Churches of Christ provide this program for you. It's uh, put on by the Churches of Christ and supported by the Churches of Christ. So we like to mention a few different ones each week. Uh, today, let me mention a few out, out uh, west of Wichita, Sylvia and Isabel. Uh, great small congregations in those small towns and a uh, group of folks there that uh, believe and study the Bible a lot like we do on Know Your Bible and they believe that Know Your Bible is a, a, a good work and help us stay on the air. So that's one reason that uh, we never ask our viewers for money in any way because we've got good Christians and Sylvia and Isabel and lots of other places that help us stay on the air. So if you live in one of those communities, drop in and visit them sometime. Uh, maybe you know a member of one of those churches. Uh, tell them, hey, I was watching Know Your Bible the other day and I saw that you support it. Appreciate you keeping it on the air for us. So visit one of those or uh, mention something to one of those people. Whatever market you're watching in, there's probably a Church of Christ near you. So uh, drop in and visit them sometime. You'd be warmly welcomed at any congregation of the Churches of Christ. All right, trick question here. We get a few trick questions every once in a while. <laughs> this one is, can God make a rock too heavy for him to lift? All right. Uh, the philosophy 101 class. This is a, a good trick for the professor to use to try to confuse people that believe in God. Uh, whatever you answer is wrong. So can, can God make a rock too heavy for him to lift? If you say, well, sure he could. Uh, then, well, he's not omnipotent if he couldn't pick up a rock. Uh, of course, if you say, no, he couldn't do that, then, well, he's not omnipotent if he couldn't make that bigger rock. So, uh, like I say, it's a trick question, and the trick is that the definition of omnipotence, all-powerful, uh, means that it doesn't mean that you can do anything. It means that you can do anything that's possible to do. Uh, you can't do something that's impossible to do. For instance, let's turn it around a little bit and say, could God make red yellow? Well, no, because red is red and yellow is yellow. It's a logical impossibility uh, to make something that has the light wavelengths of red uh, to make it have the light wavelengths of yellow and still call it red. You just can't do that. That's not possible. Uh, so that's a logical contradiction. Uh, to make a rock so large that an infinite lifting power can't pick it up, the rock would have to be infinitely big. And it's a material object, and material objects can't be infinitely big. Uh, so the answer to that trick question is, well, no, we can't, because that's a logical impossibility. 
God is omnipotent. He can do anything that is possible to be done, uh, but he doesn't do things that are logically impossible <laughs> to be done. So hopefully that helps you with that trick question. The next time somebody tries to pull it on you, just say no and you'll be right. <laughs> Waxing philosophical. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Okay. Well, good answer. Uh, someone wants to know, <clears throat> or they asked the question, I spoke badly about God when my brother took his life. Have I blasphemed against the Holy Spirit? Well, uh, it's real hard to answer your specific case scenario because I don't know the exact situation. I don't know exactly what you said, and I certainly don't know your heart. Um, my definition as um, blasphemy is the act of insulting or showing contempt or certainly lack of reverence for God. Uh, it's the act of claiming the attributes of deity and being irreverent towards something sacred. Um, I think it sounds maybe like you were irreverent, uh, but blasphemy, especially blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which is something that people have a concern over, is something that Jesus spoke about. People get worried about that because he said, this will not be forgiven. Well, when you look at the context of it, he's speaking specifically to uh, the, the Pharisees. Um, after Jesus does a miracle, he casts out a a demon uh, from a man who was demon-possessed. He was blind. He was mute. And Jesus casts out this demon, and the people say, this has got to be the son of David. And the Pharisees say, mm, no, it's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. And so obviously they were not just being irreverent. They were taking a beautiful, powerful miracle that God did and saying, no, 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 that's satanic right there. Well, that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Jesus is speaking of. And I, as you describe it, it doesn't sound to me. I can certainly understand uh, with your brother taking his life, being uh, distraught by that, being saddened by that, being uh, deeply hurt and maybe angry at God or mad at God. Um, but that's different than blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And so um, I, I would say, you know, obviously if you don't know Christ, if you don't know the Lord, uh, you need to know Him. And more importantly, He needs to know you. And you need to put Him on in baptism and begin that journey. And He can do things in your heart and heal your heart and drive out the uh, sorrow that you have and uh, take care of all that. So I would encourage you to know Christ and to draw close to Him. Let's look at First uh, John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Um, but if we walk in the light as He is in the, in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And this is one of the beautiful things about being in Christ, and maybe you already are, uh, is that even uh, when you get mad at God, maybe say things you shouldn't, uh, you can be forgiven of those things if you're sincerely trying to walk in the light. Uh, his blood can can cleanse you. You'll repent in your heart, ask the Lord for forgiveness. I believe He'll give that to you. I'm sorry for your loss, but I know that the answer and the comfort uh, lies in Christ alone. I hope you'll draw near to Him. Alrighty, thank you, Toby, for your answers, and thank you, viewers, for your good questions today. 
Uh, let's get our trivia question answered today. We wanted an angel's name who announced to Mary, and that was old Gabriel. It was the one that got to be the messenger and tell Mary what was going to happen. We're out of time today, but we're going to be back next week and try some more of your questions. Hope you have a good week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.